The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good to see you. Oh, man, I love this Sunday. It's one of my favorites. Not only is New Song 2, which is great, but, uh, but football is really happening today, right? Yeah. NFL is kicking off. And how about OU last night? That was pretty great. Things are going good. Tonight, uh, football really kicks off when the yeah. Cowboys play the Giants. Amen? Amen? The Cowboys defeat the Giants. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. All right? We're going to put that out there. I don't know if that's okay, but I'm doing it anyways. Well, uh, obviously today being our two-year birthday is such a neat, neat moment for, for me. In fact, this morning I, I got up and I was driving over here and, uh, and just thinking about two years ago what it was like today. And remember thinking, like, man, I hope somebody comes. Like, that would be really bummer if nobody showed up. I remember being in worship and, like, sitting there and just not wanting to turn around because I didn't want to be disappointed. But, uh, but people showed up, and then they, they kept showing up, and that was, that's been good. In fact, if you were here on the first Sunday, would you, would you raise your hand if that was you? You were here on the first Sunday? We got a few? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, let's give them a hand. That's awesome. Well, it, it, really, it's, it's, it really is kind of hard to believe that it's been two years. I guess time flies when you're having fun, and we have been having a lot of fun. And we've seen God do a lot of cool things in people's lives. We've seen uh, marriages get restored. We've seen healings take place, and, and like legit healings take place. Like people healed of cancer, people healed of allergies that are like really bad, like amazing what God has done and to all of you who have been a part of this journey, I just want to thank you. No matter when you came into this family, we're so grateful that you're here today. And I love yesterday. How many of you were at Party in the Park yesterday? Wasn't that cool? Man, it was such a cool thing. And I just want to thank our team because I thought, I thought New Song was on display yesterday in a, in a really neat way. In fact, we, we, we lost count. We were trying to keep track of how many people were there, but it, it got too hard to do. We, we estimate there was well over a thousand people that showed up for party in the park, and, uh, and we just got to serve these people, and it was amazing. People would introduce me as the pastor of the church, and, and so, so often what people would say to me is, man, why, you know, this is, these people are so nice. Like, why are you doing this? And we're just like, well, we're just being nice because we love people. We want people to, you know, come see what God's doing at our church, and, and, uh, and so I just got to say kudos to our church, man. Kudos to all of you who served, for all of you who got there early, stayed late, Thank you so much. I, I really, truly believe that we're going to see a lot of fruit produced out of what happened yesterday, and it was fun to celebrate. And I also, I, I would be amiss if I didn't take a moment and recognize my wife, Sarah, because uh, yesterday, what you saw yesterday was all her doing. She's the one that put that together, organized that, got everybody in place. You, you've heard me talk about this before. I like big ideas, and then I like to kind of push them off to other people to take care of the details, right? And that's her. Like, she's the one that takes care of all the details. She's the one that, yes. You, you don't, let me just tell you, you don't want to go to New Song Church if Sarah Blunt is not a New Song Church. So we're grateful for her and all that you do. We love you. Thank you, Sarah, for that. It was a great, great, great day. And uh, maybe you're here today and this is your first time. Like Sarah said, we're so glad that you're here. I'd love to meet you after the service is over. Please stop by in the lobby and say hi and, and come and introduce yourself to us. And if you are new to the church, maybe you're new today, maybe you've been new over the last several weeks, uh, I want to invite you to come and be a part of Next Steps. Uh, September 24th is going to be our next 
Next Steps class. And what Next Steps is, is really simply, it's just a way for you to, to learn more about the church, for you to hear about the heart and, and what this church is all about, and, and for you to find a way to get connected and, and for us to connect with you. You know, we, we have something that we want to do in your life. We have some steps we want to help you to take to, to step into the kind of life and, of, and relationship that God has for you. And, and you also play a role in what God wants to do in this church and in the lives of other people. And so Next Steps helps you to make those connections, to get connected into the family, get connected in groups, get connected in serving, and just kind of grow into who it is God's called you to be. So I want to invite you to come. Uh, we'll have dinner for you. Fuzzy's Tacos is, is going to be catering, so it's really good food. We'll have child care for your kids. So September 24th, 5 to 7, make sure you are here. Uh, we'd love to, to hang out with you that night, all right? If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We are beginning a brand new series today, and I'm really pumped about this series. I think it's going to be really cool, really good. I think there's going to be a lot that God's going to do through this series. And we're talking about the issues of life. The series is called I've Got Issues, You Got Them Too. And we're doing this series because I got issues... And you got them too, right? Like we all have issues. Turn to the person beside you and tell them, you got issues. Now turn to the other person and tell them, and I got issues too. We all got issues. We do. We, we got stuff we're working through. We got, we got, you know, stuff we got to get figured out. And we know that. Most of us recognize that there's some things in our life, maybe some, some things that we're dealing with that are holding us back from what God has for us. Maybe there's stuff in our life that's hurting other people. And we know we got to get this stuff fixed. And so what we want to do is over the next several weeks, we want to unpack some of these issues. Talk about the issues of life. And there's some issues we're going to talk about. And you may, be, you may already know, like, this is an issue for me. Like, i got an anger problem. That's an issue for me. Or, I, you know, i got this problem, whatever that may be. But hopefully, here's what I'm really hoping for. I'm hoping that we're going to unpack some issues in this series. And you don't even know it's an issue for you. And we're going to unpack it, and you're going you're gonna to be able to walk in a new freedom. See, a lot of times, here's the, here's the problem. A lot of times when we have issues, in the world that we live in today, what we do is we kind of embrace those, and we, we form an identity based on our issues. And our, our issues become kind of the identity. They're, they become who we are. And that's not what God wants for you. God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to move past your issues so that you can step into the life he's called you to, into the freedom that he has for you. So I just want to encourage you, make sure you're here every week. Don't miss a week of the series. I really believe God's going to do some, some cool stuff. But to start off today, I want to talk to you about uh, the big issue. And, and really, what we're going to do today is we're going to unpack this issue, because this issue is going to be an issue we keep coming back to throughout the entire series. If we don't get this issue figured out, then we can't step into the freedom that we need to have with these other issues. So today I want to talk to you about, uh, here's the title of my message if you're a note taker, and this is the longest title I think I've ever had. Here it is. Uh, today's title is called, The Really Big Main Issue Jesus Came to Fix. Okay, so if you're writing that down, The Really Big Main Issue Jesus Came to Fix. And what we're going to talk about today is the issue, why Jesus came to this earth uh, lived the life that he lived, died on the cross, and rose from the grave. Why did he do that? Now, most of us understand that Jesus uh, did something pretty great for us. And the sacrifice that he made for us, that he, he, he really did an unbelievable, gave us an unbelievable gift in what he did to come and bring salvation to people. Uh, maybe we don't fully understand it, but we kind of have an understanding of it. But I, I kind of want to help you understand it a little bit greater today, okay? Because I think this is something that helps us. And I also think that when we don't understand this properly, 
and we don't understand the motivation behind it, it can, it can steer us towards going after the wrong stuff. And, and sometimes that can lead us to not really stepping into the life God has for us. So think about this, okay? God, Jesus, the Son of God, who is God, he came down to this earth and, and he became one of us. And he allowed himself to be ridiculed and mocked and beaten and, and died on a cross for us. The Bible says that he became nothing. And I, I think sometimes, like I, this week, I was trying to wrap my brain around like, okay, how can I illustrate this in a really great way? And I couldn't come up with anything that, that really matched up properly. I mean, you think about, think about this. Think about a great surgeon, you know, wealthy surgeon that people come to from all over the nation to go see this surgeon because he's the best in his field. Imagine that surgeon becomes the janitor in the hospital. And we're not even close to what Jesus did. Imagine a, a CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company, one of the richest men in the world, laying that down and going to work just a regular job at McDonald's. And we're, we're not even close to what Jesus did. In, in fact, I, okay, I'm going to give you an analogy. And let me just say, before I even say this, like, th- this is not a perfect analogy by any stretch of the imagination, okay? So don't, like, get mad at me or whatever because of this, but I'm just trying to kind of help you to see the depths of what Jesus was willing to do for us, okay? So imagine this with me. Imagine that you found out that there was a group of bugs that were in big trouble, okay? A group of bugs, and they are in big trouble. They are going to die, and they are going to live a miserable e- eternity, okay? So you find this out, and here's the thing. The only way that this, this group of bugs can be saved is if you do this. You become a bug, live among the bugs, are raised as a little bug, live among them, and then allow those bugs to, to mock you, ridicule you, beat you, and ultimately kill you so that you can save them. That's the only way they can be saved. How many of you would be willing to die for those bugs? <laughs> right? Like that's none of us. And, 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 and hear me, I'm not saying that you're bugs, okay? So don't like write me a letter and be like, dude, you're calling me a bug, that was lame. Don't do that. Because <laughs> I'm not calling you a bug. But here's what I'm saying. The gap between us and bugs, I, I would say probably the gap between us and God is even greater in all actuality. And yet that's what Jesus, that's what Jesus did. He came to this earth, he laid down everything. Think about that, Jesus who, who was eternal being, he was God, he's God. He laid down all of that. He laid down divinity to become a part of humanity. He wrapped himself in skin. He became a baby that had to be cared for, had to be nursed and, and diapered and would, would smell bad. And like that, Jesus did that. And then he allowed himself, the creation that he spoke into existence, allowed that creation to rip the flesh apart that he put on willingly so that we could be saved. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's hard to wrap our brains around what he was willing to do, and yet that's what he was willing to do. He made himself nothing, and here's why. Because there was a really big problem that needed to be fixed. So what is the big problem? Because if Jesus was willing to do that, if he was willing to lay down everything, shouldn't we as people, shouldn't we, especially as Christians, be willing to live our life based on trying to honor that sacrifice and, and live a life trying to do our best to, to appreciate what he was willing to accomplish for us on the cross. Now, I'm guessing right now that a lot of you are maybe thinking about an issue that, that you're considering, but here's, here's what I want to kind of put before you this morning. Is it possible 
that maybe the issue that we think Jesus came to fix is not exactly the issue that he came to fix. And because we're focused on the wrong issue, because we're aiming at the wrong target, we're not actually stepping into the life that he's called us to step into and the freedom that he wants us to walk into. Let me, let me illustrate like this, because if we get the wrong target, it can really do some damage. I heard this story one time about this, this lady, and her husband was an avid hunter. And so she decided that she, uh, she wanted to do something about this, because every hunting season, he was, he was going off to hunt deer or hunt some kind of bird or whatever. He was always gone, and she hated being left at home by herself. So she's like, okay, I'm going to fix this. And, and instead of just nagging and griping about it, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn how to hunt. So she goes to the, the local sports store, she buys a gun, and then she goes to the, to the gun range and she starts learning how to shoot this gun. Well, it turns out that this, this lady has got a knack for it. Like she's really good at it. And, and it doesn't take her long until she's hitting bullseye like every time. 100 yards, 200 yards, just hitting it. And so she's getting so consistent with this, she's like, okay, it's time. And, and she hears her husband's getting ready to go on a big uh, deer hunting trip and he's packing up all his stuff, getting ready to go. And she decides it's time to surprise him. So as he's packing up his gear, getting ready, she comes to him and she says, son, I've got great news. I'm going hunting with you. And he's like, well, you know, hun, that's really cute and sweet. uh, But you don't know anything about hunting. Like, this isn't going to work. She says, no, I've been been training, I've been practicing. In fact, I've got my own gun. And she goes and she gets her gun, she shows it to him. And I've been been practicing, let me me show you what I can do. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure, let's let's go. So they go outside and they've got this big, they got a lot of land. And so she sets up a target about 50 yards away and she lines up her gun, sets her sights on it, shoots it, and boom, bullseye. Her husband's pretty surprised by this. So he's like, okay, let's move it back a little bit. She sets it back 100 yards, lines it up again, shoots it, boom, bullseye once again. Sets it up 200 yards. She lines it up, shoots it, boom, bullseye. Again, her husband is blown away by this. And so she's like, so can I go hunting with you? And he's like, yes, absolutely. This is going to be awesome. I'd love for you to go hunting with me. And so the next morning they get up before the sun rises and they head off uh, for this hunt. And when they get there, they they get up in this deer blind and her husband gets to explain like how this is going to work. Okay, you're going to hang out up here, hun, and and here in a little bit the sun's going to start to rise. And as it does... Over in that meadow over there where those tree line, that tree line starts, you, you're probably going to maybe start seeing some movement. And hopefully some deer are going to move and come out. And, and here's what you're looking for. And he explains, you know, that she needs to find a buck. And he explains how she wants to shoot this deer, where she wants to shoot it at. And then he says, okay, so I'm going to leave you here. And I'm going to go over to this other deer blind. And if I hear your gun go off, then I'll know that you got something. And I'll, I'll come back your way. So he climbs down the deer blind, he starts heading over towards his deer blind, and about halfway there he hears gunshot go off. And he's like, wow, that was quick. He turns around, starts walking back, and just a few seconds later, another shot goes off. Now he's getting a little worried that maybe something's wrong. So he starts to pick up his pace, and he's running back, and, and sure enough, when he gets there, he finds his wife out of the deer blind, down on the ground, she's got her gun drawn and pointed at a guy. There's this dude, he's just standing there, and he's got his hands raised, his eyes are huge, and he's looking like, what in the world is going on right now? And the husband comes up, he's like, what are you doing? And she says, no, you don't understand, he's trying to steal my deer. He's like, what are you talking about? Don't point your gun at this guy. And you're like, no, I shot a deer, and he's trying to steal my deer. To which the guy with his hands up starts to lower his hands a little bit and says, listen, lady, you can have your deer, just let me get my saddle off of it. 
You guys did better than first service. Took them a while. Now, here's my point. Here's my point. Is it possible that we could be training and preparing ourselves and and trying to to do something, but we're aiming at the wrong target. We're going after the wrong thing. And Jesus kind of spoke to this idea in in Matthew chapter 5. I told you to turn there earlier. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21, he he speaks to this idea. And, And so Jesus, this is the first message Jesus ever taught. And he is, uh, he's, he's sharing about the Beatitudes and the, just giving this amazing message, blowing people's mind with the way he's teaching. And in this message, he starts sharing about this idea of you think it may be like this, but it's actually like this. You're thinking this way, but you need to be thinking this way. In verse 21, he says, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. So he says, you've heard it said don't murder. I say don't even hate, don't even be angry. Verse 27, he says this, he says, you've heard it was said to, the, to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He says, you've heard it said not to commit adultery. I say, don't even look at a woman to lust for her. So Jesus kind of speaks to this idea of you're thinking this way, but you need to be thinking this way. Now here's, here's what I'm getting at. What if we're thinking the wrong way? What if we think the really big issue that Jesus came to fix is one thing when it's actually another? Okay, so let's, let's start at the beginning. In, in Genesis, very beginning of the Bible, we got, we got God, and he creates this garden. He creates this place for, for, for mankind. And he puts Adam and Eve in this garden. And he gives them one commandment. He says, don't go eat of this tree. You can eat, enjoy everything else, but just don't do this. And what happens? Well, Adam and Eve disobey. And when they do, sin enters the world. And, and here's the thing. Because of what they did, Jesus came and died on the cross, right? And we all understand that. So here's what happens. We look at that and we go, okay, then there it is. That's the really big main issue that Jesus came to fix. He came to fix sin, right? That's what we think. And and let me just say, if that's what you're thinking, you're right, and yet you're not exactly right. Because there's a bigger heart issue that Jesus was after. Now let me illustrate it this way, okay? Imagine that one day uh, I'm at my office and I'm working and it's almost the end of the day. I'm getting ready to go home and, uh, and have dinner with my family. And let me just tell you, at our home, uh, dinner at night is a celebration. Like we party at dinner time. We have music going and I got three kids. My oldest is nine. I got a six-year-old and a three-year-old and my wife and we all come together and this is where we talk about our day. We tell funny stories. We laugh. There's typically someone gets up and dances. Somebody, you know, a shirt is going to come off at some point. We're going to beg the three-year-old to eat something, but we're going to have a blast. We always do. And I love this part of my day. It's so much fun. I look forward to it. And so it's almost that time, and I'm kind of starting to gear up towards, all right, dinner time, time to go home, time to be with my family, and I get a, I get a phone call, and it's my wife, Sarah, and she calls, and she says, hey, I got an issue here. I got a problem. I'm, I went to the grocery store because I needed to get a few things for dinner tonight, and I got back in my car, and my car won't start. And so me and the kids are trapped here at the grocery store. We can't, we can't get home. We're stuck here, and we can't get home, and we need your help. So I say, hon, I am on my way. I jump in my car, and I, I, as fast as I can, I get over to the grocery store. 
And I get there, and I go to check out what's going on, and I discover her car battery is dead. And it's not just dead, like it is dead, dead. Like it, I can't even jump it with my jumper cables. It, she needs a new battery. Her battery is dead. So what do I do? Well, I jump back in my car, and I head over to an auto parts store, and I buy a new battery. I shell out all the money needed to buy her a battery. I get it. I put it in my car. I take it back to her car. I, I open up her hood. I put it in there. I hook it all up, get it, get it all hooked up the way it's supposed to be, and then I get in her car, turn the key, and voila, it starts, right? And so Sarah and the kids are in her car. They drive home. I get in my car. I drive home, and we have dinner as it should be, and all is right with the world, right? Now, here's, here's my question to you. What was the really big main issue that I came to fix? Let me tell you what it was not. It was not the battery problem. The battery problem was in the way of what I really wanted. But here was the big issue I came to fix. I wanted my family with me, connecting with me at home, safe and sound, where they belonged. You guys tracking with me? That's the big issue. That's what I wanted. And in the same way, here's what you got to understand. What happened in the Garden of Eden was God created a family. And when Adam and Eve sinned, that family was ripped apart. And now God could not connect with his family and have them safe and sound the way they were supposed to be in relationship with him. And in the same way that the deadness of the battery was keeping me from having life with my family as it should be, listen, this is important, the deadness of sin in our life was keeping God from having life as it should be with his family. That's good preaching right there, people. See, this is, what, this is the big thing. Je here's what Jesus came to fix. Here's the really big main issue that Jesus came to fix. Here it is. It was a relationship issue. He wanted his family back. He wanted to know you. He wanted to be connected with you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that sin is, is okay. I'm not saying that at all. Sin is a bad deal. Sin is a horrible deal. And, and, and it's really clear through Scripture that God hates sin. And here's why God hates sin. It's not because he's a prude. It's not because he's mean. It's because sin is, is bad. Here's what sin does. Sin does two things. Number one, sin hurts people. Sin hurts people. The Bible says this in, uh, in Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Sin hurts people. Now, when it talks about the wages of sin, it's not just talking about physical death, although that's attached to sin. It's not just talking about spiritual death, although that's attached to sin. And apart from Jesus Christ, if you have not fixed that sin problem and made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are going to go to this place called hell and be eternally separated from God. That's a reality for someone who doesn't know Jesus, and that's a big problem. But it's not just that. It's that sin causes death in your life in every aspect. It causes death to take place in your future. It causes death to take place in your family. It causes death to rule and reign in your life and the door to be opened so that it can hurt you and steal from you. And listen, God hates sin because God loves you. And because God loves you, he hates sin because sin hurts people. So that's the first reason. Number two, here's the second reason why. Sin keeps people from God. Sin keeps people from God. The Bible says this in Isaiah 59 verse 2. But your iniquities. Now iniquities is just another way of saying sin. It's just a Bible word for sin. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Notice the words. There's a separation that takes place because of this. 
And your sins have hidden his face. So it's like, it's like you can't see God anymore. Something's in between you and God. have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now understand this. When you sin, it's not that God turns his back on you and leaves you. Because that ain't how it works. The Bible promises us that God will never leave you or forsake you. So that's not it. It's that when we sin, we turn our back on God. And we have this thing inside of us, it's called a sin conscience. And when we sin, we begin to feel unholy. We begin to feel unworthy. We, we don't feel like we can connect with God. We can go to God because we know what we did. We know what we've been thinking. We know what, what we did when no one else was watching. We know those things. And so we feel like, oh, I can't really approach God because of that. And because we, can't, we feel that way, this, this wedge of separation comes between us and God. And we can't go to God in faith. We can't believe God in prayer for, for him to do things in our life because we, we, we're identifying ourselves by our sin and we feel like we can't go to God because of that. So you see, like sin is a bad deal. It hurts you. It keeps you from God. And so, so God needed to fix this sin problem. But listen, you need to understand something. This is huge. God did not ever intend for us to live a life where the main issue, the main, the main thing that we're fighting for and striving for is to just not sin. That's not the life God's called you to. God, God doesn't want you living a life where you're just focused on, okay, I gotta, I gotta do good, I gotta do good, I gotta quit doing bad, I gotta quit doing bad, I gotta do the right thing, I gotta quit sinning, I gotta quit sinning, I gotta quit sinning. That's, that's not life. That's not what God's called you to. That's, that's not at all what he's, he's called you to. What God has called you to is to walk in life. And see, that, that, this is why this is such a big deal because God understands something that you need to understand. What we put in front of our life is what is going to order our life. Whatever we put priority on, that's going to order the rest of our life. So if we think that the really big main issue that Jesus came to fix is a sin issue, and we, and we recognize that Jesus did something great for us, and we go, okay, so i got to fix the sin issue, then we really empower sin in our life to be the driving force of our life. The Bible says this in Matthew 6, Jesus said this. He said, we're to seek first the kingdom of God. We're to seek first doing things God's way. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, all these things will be added unto you. All of these things is all the, the things that we care about, the things that we value, the things that are concerns of our life, our family, our, our jobs, our, our, our witness in this world, all of those things, they're added unto us. They're taken care of when what? When we put the heart of God first, when we put God's ways first. I'll say it like this. Uh, if if what God wants becomes what we want, then everything else in our life gets ordered by that. Because what we put first orders the rest of our life. So that leads us to the question, what is it that God wants the most? What is it that God wants first? Well, it's the issue that Jesus came to fix. He wants you. That's what he wants. He wants to be connected to you. He wants to know you. And, and when I say know you, I'm not talking about just having information on you. He wants to know you, have a relationship with you where you know him and he knows you and you're walking together. This isn't a religion. This isn't a to-do list. This is a relationship with the creator of the heavens and earth that we can have. And that's what God wants. But here's the problem. If we don't get this figured out, if we don't get this sin problem fixed, we can't have a relationship with God. Because sin, here's the, here's the big issue with sin. Sin is, not, sin is not just a problem because it separates us from God. But here's the big issue with this, is that if, you, if you're a sinner, then you're not just a bad person, you're a dead person. You're dead. The Bible says this in Ephesians 2 verse 5. It says, even though, look at this, we were dead because of our sins. 
He, talking about God, gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Turn to the person beside you and say, you were dead. We were all dead. In sin, we were dead. Colossians 2.13 says, you were dead. Isn't that a great way to start a verse? Because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. Listen, if you're no taker, here's something worth writing down this morning, okay? Uh, Jesus did not come so bad people could become good. Jesus came so the dead people could become alive. Amen? That's what Jesus came to do. Because listen, it's hard to have a relationship with a dead person. That's a joke right there, but, but it's true. Try hanging out with a dead person sometime. Weekend at Bernie's, man, it ain't good. It doesn't work out very well. And that's not what God's called us to. He's called us to, to life. In fact, and so that's why Jesus came. He came to give us life. Je- Jesus said it this way in John 10, 10. He said, the thief comes not to accept, but to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come. Okay, so Jesus right here, he's about to tell us why he came. This is why I came to this earth. The really big issue I came to face. I have come, look at this, so that they, talking about me and you, may have, everybody say this with me, life. Say it again, life may have life and that they may have it more abundantly another translation of that verse says i have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows yet another translation says it this way my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life isn't that good news that's what jesus came to do he came to give us a full life and that's why this message of jesus christ is called gospel you probably heard that term before, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's in the New Testament 90 plus times. And here's what that, that word gospel in its original Greek, here's what it means, good news. It's not good advice, it's good news. And the good news is Jesus came so that dead people could come alive. And then this is where it gets really awesome, okay? So where it all kind of ties together. John 10, 10, I've come that you may have life. Four chapters later, Jesus speaks to this even further and he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the, everybody say it with me, life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did you get it? You see it? Jesus says, I came so you could have life. And then he calls himself life. What is he saying? Jesus came so you could have him. That's why Jesus came. He wanted to come so you could have a relationship with him. That's the really big main issue Jesus came to fix is that we needed him. He wanted his family back. God wanted his family back. He wanted his children back. And so he was willing to do everything possible to win us back. He was willing to suffer and do everything he was willing to do because he wanted his family back, because he loved you. No matter where you find yourself today, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter how bad you've been, Jesus loves you and gave his life for you. Yeah, we got issues. We all got issues. But Jesus came to fix your issues. And if you'll surrender your life to him, man, the issues are not issues anymore. This series is, is kind of, we, we thought of this a few months back, and it kind of came out of one day, we were in our car, me and Sarah were driving around, and we're flipping around the radio, and we came across this song called Issues. You probably, some of you heard the song before. It's very popular. I think it's like a top 10 song right now by a girl named Julia Michaels. And, uh, and here's, here's what some of the chorus of this song says. It, it speaks to the issues of life and how we have these issues. It says, because I got issues, but you got them too. And I'll give my, but, so give them all to me and I'll give mine to you. Yeah, I got issues, and here it is, and one of them is how bad I need you. 
Now here's what I want you to see this morning. I got issues. And you got them too. And one of them, but not just one of them, the one of them, the big issue, is how much we need Jesus. That's what it's all about. We need Jesus. And so listen, so Jesus came to fix the issue. That's what he came to do. My favorite verse in the Bible is this verse right here, Hebrews 12, 2. This verse speaks to what was on the heart of Jesus as he went to the cross. It speaks to where he was, what he was thinking about. As he went and he knew what he was getting himself into. Listen, Jesus didn't get trapped by the cross. He knew what he was walking towards. He knew how badly, how bad he was going to have to suffer. He knew what he was going to go through. He knew it. And he walked toward it willingly. And this verse speaks to what was on his mind as he did it. It says this. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, remember that, the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. That means he, he put up with it, despising the shame, meaning he didn't want to do it, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? For the joy that was set before him. You know what the joy was? You. You and me, having a relationship with us. He walked to the cross willingly, thinking about saving your life. He died for you because he loved you. I remember as a kid hearing people say, if you were the only one, he would have still gone to the cross and died. And it's true. I don't care where you find yourself today, Jesus loves you. And he gave his life for you. And the really big issue that Jesus came to fix was a relationship issue. He wanted to be connected to you. And, and if we don't get this issue figured out, well, we can talk all about these other issues of life over the next several weeks, but if you don't have this one figured out, you ain't going to be able to get anywhere with these other issues. Because knowing Jesus is the, is the one who helps you to walk in the freedom, to walk in the power that you need to get through everything else that you're facing and dealing with in life. So we've got to get this fixed. Now, as we close today, I've got good news and I've got bad news. And I'll give you the bad news first. And here it is. We've all sinned, right? We've all sinned. The Bible says this in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all done stuff that didn't, didn't line up with God's standard. And by the way, God's standard is perfection. Because <laughs> he's a perfect God. And so none of us, only Jesus was the only one who was ever able to live up to God's standard. We all sin, we all make mistakes, we all do stuff that causes us to fall out of the favor of God. Now here's where it gets even worse. We've all sinned, and here's the problem. The penalty for sin is death. We talked about this earlier. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Wages are, if you, if you receive a wage at your job, your wage is something that is paid to you for the work that you've done, Right? You work a job and you receive a wage. The wage that what we were owed, what we had earned through sin was death. When I'm talking about death, I'm talking about death in every area of your life, including spiritual death, which is a spiritual separation from God for all of eternity in a place called hell. That's the penalty for sin as a sinner. And apart from Jesus Christ, knowing him, that's what we all deserved. But there's good news. Aren't you glad there's good news? There's good news, and here it is. Jesus died for you. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At your worst, and maybe you're sitting in your worst today, 
at your worst, Jesus died for you. He made a way because he loves you. Jesus took your wage. He took your penalty. We were owed death, but he took it. And he carried it with him to the cross. And it was nailed to the cross. And it died on the cross with him. And the good news is, even more good news, is that we can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace. Grace is undeserved favor. You have been saved. You've been delivered from sin's penalty through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. You can't earn this. It's not in your own doing. You can't be good enough to get yourself here. It is a gift, a gift that comes from Jesus Christ, a gift that we receive by grace through faith. That's how we receive it. And so here's what it really boils down to for every one of us in here today. Somebody's got to pay for your sins. Sin has a price tag attached to it, and it's death. And somebody's got to pay. And it can either be you, or it can be Jesus. And Jesus already paid for it. But just because he paid for it doesn't mean that you step into the freedom that comes from it. You have to receive it. You have to ask for it. You have to believe by grace through faith that you can have it. Romans 10 verse 9 says what we have to do. It says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you can be saved, you will be saved. If you just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And notice what it says. It says that that Jesus is Lord. Now here's the big thing. A lot of people want to make Jesus Savior. Not everybody wants to really make him Lord. And this is a problem that I see in the church world today is there's a lot of people that go to church services and, and a pastor gets up and he says, hey, uh, if you want to make Jesus, you know, you want to be saved, you want to not go to hell and you raise your hand up and you can pray a prayer and you're going to be saved. And so people raise up their hand, but people don't surrender their life. They just want Jesus to be savior. I'm still going to live my way. I'm still going to do things my way, but I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. So I'll just, I'll do this, but nothing's going to change. I'm not giving you my life. I'm just saying, I want you to do things my way, God, and I want to still be saved. Doesn't work that way. Sorry. You got to surrender. That's what it means. Jesus is Lord. It means he's boss. It means you do things his way. It means that you say, he gave everything for me, so I'm going to give everything for him. And here's the great news. What he offers you is the best life you could ever imagine. Way better than any life you could come up with yourself. Sometimes I think people are afraid. If I give my life to Jesus, he's going he's gonna to take away all the fun stuff I love to do. No, no, no. He's going to take away all the death that's killing you. That's what he's going to do. He's going to give you life. He's going to bring meaning to your life, purpose to your life. That's what Jesus offers you today. And so if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and maybe you're here today and you're, you're wondering, man, maybe I, I've never really surrendered my, my life to Jesus. I, I'll tell you this. I made Jesus my Savior as a kid. And it took me a while to make him Lord. In my 20s, I made him Lord. And let me just tell you, before I made him Lord, my life was a mess. I was a bad person. I was a jerk. I was not a good dude. I, I see my friend Will Rawlings. He's known me since I was a teenager. I was a jerk, wasn't I? Yeah, he admitted it. I wasn't a good dude. I was a selfish jerk but I gave my life to Jesus and I had very little to offer and he gave me everything and I want you to know he wants to give you everything today and the life that I've experienced since surrendering my life to him is far better than the life I had before so if you're here today and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life and say God you're the boss 
And I'd love to pray with you today. And here's what's so cool is today is New Song's birthday. I would love it if we could make this your spiritual birthday. Bible talks about when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're born again. Your spirit is made new. It's born anew. This could be your spiritual birthday today. And, and I see people in this room, and I remember you getting saved last year on our one-year birthday. And what a difference a year has made, right? Isn't it cool? And today, there's some of you, and you need to take that step and surrender your life to Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Here's another way of saying that. What is God saying to you? Here's another way of saying that. (laughs) What are you thinking right now? What's going through your mind? Maybe right now you're thinking, man, I don't know that I've ever really surrendered my life to Jesus. I I may be one of those people that's made him my savior, that's kind of wanted to do it my way, but I've never really fully said, God, I want to do it your way. I I don't know that I'm right with God today. Maybe you're here today and, and you're, you are a Christian, but you realize you've been going at it all wrong. You've been trying to just not sin. And you realize that you need to change your approach. And you need to just start con- following after Jesus, connecting with him. Here's how you do that. Here's how you come to know God. You just live a life pursuing him, going after him, worshiping him, spending time with him, spending time in his word, praying, acting like God's real. Because <laughs> he is. And he loves you. And he wants to be connected to you. If you're here today and you'd love to, to surrender your life to God or maybe rededicate your life to God, man, I want to pray with you today. Let's do this thing. So here's what I'm going to do. Here in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And we're all going to say this together because we're all in agreement. Whether you are here and you're praying this prayer for the first time or whether you're here and you're really meaning this prayer for the first time, wherever you are, I want us to all pray this together, all right? Say this with me. Say, Father God. Father God. Say it like you mean it. Father God. Father God. Thank you. For Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Father, forgive me. I give my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my days to you. No longer my way, your way. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.